1: Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not only diehard Denver Broncos fans, but they have supported DNVR for a long time. As DNVR members, they're a husband-wife team with over 15 years of financial services experience. Since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage, your largest debts, they believe it's vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. That includes considering your short-term and long-term planning goals, your investments, and Your tax situation, Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. You can visit them at dnvrmortgage.com where you can enter to win some DNVR swag. But whatever you do, when you need some advice on what to do for your mortgage, make sure you call Chevalier Mortgage at 303-257-6578. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931 006, and Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number one nine one zero six thirty-one. Number one for the one
2: and only
1: DNVR. Two goes out to Zed May and the Bar. Three for Mr. B in that old trophy case. Number four, we're, we're still waiting for. Well, bring on the chase. Out on the field, a mile high Broncos win it's our time. couple with a breaking and a friendly
2: orange and blue till the bitter end.
1: Come and join us at the end. We are, we are the end. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. Make sure you head over to msudenver.edu online to scope out all they have to offer. 750 classes, 40 hybrid programs, everything you could possibly need. Rigorous and affordable education taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. So head over to msudenver.edu online today.
2: My boys, what's up? So pumped to be rolling with you guys and on this live pod. I love it.
1: A little live action here on a Wednesday morning. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, a little tired because the other, you know, two nights, or I guess it was Monday night, I couldn't sleep because the Nuggets loss was so painful. Last night I couldn't sleep because the Nuggets win was so exhilarating. Uh, so I guess the Nuggets are just, they're just not going to let me sleep, uh, you know, at all.
2: <laughs> uh, man what a game just pretty much dominated what 57 minutes of the game right now life is back although life was always with these guys you gotta you gotta close the door on them completely to put them out and boy that's not happening now
1: yeah real catch 22 awaits the lakers you either win and go up 3-1 which is a death sentence or uh or you're tying the series at 2-2
2: so what do you want if you're the Lakers?
1: <laughs> uh, I think the goal is usually to win, but I didn't even, I didn't even think about a, the fact that it was a catch 2-2. Two, two. <laughs> <Ooh>. Exactly.
0: <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. But 3-1 has been the – yeah, 3-1 is a dangerous situation. So, yeah, you know, I don't think it will be, be much if a catch 2-2 two, two for the Lakers if they get into it, but it's good to – it. It's good to see the Nuggets fight back, and you knew they would because they fought back uh, the entire postseason, so I'm, I'm not surprised they came out as they did. You withstand a couple of runs from the Lakers in the second half, all good, happy day, beautiful day here in the Mile High City, the sun is out, the sky is getting bluer after being smoke strangled, all is well, and into that is going to come Tom Brady on Sunday.
1: Yeah, and I think there's some parallels that you can draw between uh, the Nuggets in this playoffs and the Broncos uh, and what they have to deal with. Now, uh, if the Nuggets lost all of their good players like the Broncos almost have, uh, it might be a different conversation. But, you know, I was talking about this last night with the Nuggets guys, and I said 99% of teams would have wilted after Anthony Davis hit that dagger shot in game two and it should have been 1-1 and now it's 0-2 and now you're fighting uphill battle and the Nuggets just got stronger somehow. Uh, and the Broncos have to find a way to channel that sort of energy. How can you take the fact that you're without your starting quarterback, your best offensive player, your best defensive player, four of your six pro bowlers, all of this stuff, and use it to fortify you and make you stronger internally? You, it's not You're not going to get more talented. You're not going to get better. But you do have to get stronger some way. You have to get more mentally tough. You have to believe that no matter how difficult things get, you you have the guys next to you, and that's all you need. Uh, And I think the way that the Broncos responded in that Pittsburgh game was a good sign towards that. Now it's up to them to keep it rolling, despite the fact that even though they they showed a lot of gutsy effort and really, you know, drag themselves off the pavement to pull themselves back into that game. They didn't get the payoff. So can they be more mentally tough than any of the teams that they play on the field? Because that's the only way they're going to win games.
2: Yeah, physically, you're not going to get stronger. You're not going to get more talented. But mentally, Ryan, you nailed it. You got to get smarter. And that's with everyone on this Broncos organization. It starts uh, with with bringing in the right guys who, who need to replace these guys. So it starts with John, but then really the onus is on the coaching staff. How much are you going to change the offense to fit Jeff Driscoll? If you don't want to mess with all of these young pieces on the offense, I get it, but well, then you're probably not going to be able to develop the best offense for Jeff Driscoll. I would be okay with the Broncos you know, changing a lot of things up in these next couple of weeks. And you're, you're not doing anything crazy, but a lot more – Uh, RPOs going on, let Jeff Driscoll run the ball a lot. And then you can go back to your normal offense once Drew comes back. So you got to get smarter and then the players, they have to get smarter. They're going to have to play mistake free football guys. That's always so important in the NFL, obviously, but what happens if Cortland Sutton, the ball doesn't go through his hands and there's no interception there. We very well may be talking about a Broncos win And so it's mistake-free football, playing smarter, not making mistakes, and then also the coaching staff developing uh, a different game plan and not being afraid to do that.
0: And I don't think you should be afraid to do that just because you've got a bunch of young players because you're not changing the nomenclature and – presumably you've worked on some of these concepts before. So you're just basically changing the points of emphasis a little bit. And if you're asking young players to do something that's slightly different, so what? You're trying to learn what their skill sets are, what their strengths are. So you can turn this into a positive. The thing that I would actually like to see a little more of is more youth. And that youth I'd like to see that's not getting playing time just yet is Albert Okwebuna and see him get some run, see some two tight end sets that involve both him and Noah Fant running routes. No offense to the wide receivers because you can still go three wide from time to time, but the most dangerous formations this team has with Jeff Driscoll running RPOs might be two tight end sets.
1: Yeah, I think you can learn a lot from the way that the Philadelphia Eagles have used Dallas Goddard uh, and Zach Ertz. Um, you, you know, pull up that tape and watch how Ertz takes so much of the attention from the defense that it just gives so much space to operate for Goddard, who is a similarly talented player. He's uh, he's quick, you know, on probably 25 teams, at least in the NFL, he's their number one uh, option at tight end. So, you know, Albert Okwebunam is not quite there yet. He's not, you know, as good as Dallas Goddard. But you can take from that and say, okay, teams are going to start to realize that Noah Fant is our biggest threat on offense. They're going to dedicate a lot of resources towards stopping him. Let's put in Albert Okwebenom and see how he can take advantage of one-on-one matchups, not only just one-on-one, But one-on-one with their second best option for covering the tight end, that should be a really juicy place for him to be. And he doesn't have to do anything complicated. He just has to run drag routes and other things that get the ball in his hands.
2: I love it. I absolutely love that idea. I just think you guys are getting a little greedy because that's what I do. But first, let's focus on Noah Fant for an entire Mm -hmm. game. And that's what the Broncos need to start off with. Hey, I absolutely i am not disagreeing with you guys at all. But that's what needs to start this week is Noah Fant, what, five targets each half. Not just in one half, in both halves. Get him involved. And hey, you know what? And Albert Okuwebunam could only help Noah Fant. If you have him on the other side, yes, of course, that's not going to take a ton of attention away from Noah Fant. But if Albert O catches a 17-yard pass, well, then the defense may pay a little more attention. That's just only going to help Noah Fant.
0: Well, yeah, it's amazing that Noah Fant is sitting there among the leaders in receiving yards and touchdowns among tight ends. And basically, he's only played one game for the most part or he's played, but has only been a focus of the offense for one game. you've you've got to you've got to get him the ball. I, I agree with you, Zach. Five targets a half is actually a good number to think of to think of right now as you're trying to open things up. As I point out in my article, I mean, the Broncos literally average more than twice as many points per possession when they get the football than they do when they don't.
1: Yeah. That's that's huge. Speaking of tape that they should look at, go back and watch what the Raiders did to the Saints on Monday night football. Like they found their mismatch and they went to it and they went to it and they went to Mm -hmm. it and they made the, and they made the Saints switch who they were trying to guard Darren Waller with and they couldn't, and they just kept going to him like, and, and they, just bludgeoned the Saints defense to death with one mismatch. I mean, one is all they needed was you can't cover Darren Waller. So we're going to throw to him until you beg for mercy. And eventually the Saints did.
2: Yeah. And, and after the game, John Gruden said Darren Waller is the best tight end in the game. What would he be saying about Noah Fant? If he had Noah Fant instead of Darren Waller and what he Mm -hmm. had 12 targets in the game, I believe. Yeah. I mean, that that's what you should be doing with Noah Fant. Even when you have Cortland Sutton, the way that Noah Fant's been playing, now you don't have Cortland Sutton, and you have a backup quarterback. A tight end is a, is a backup quarterback's best friend. Guys, it's so simple. And unfortunately, this should be very easy for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to game plan against. You say, we are not letting Noah Fant beat us. But Noah Fant can't beat you if you're not throwing him the ball.
0: The other thing is the Steelers, you know, they put Devin Bush on Noah Fant. So it's not like they ignored him. And Noah Fant ate his lunch when he had the opportunity. That's why it's interesting. Remember the 2019 draft, we were all talking about the Devins. You saw Devin Bush last Sunday. Now you're going to see Devin White, who himself is off to a very good start this year and has shown a lot of coverage capability. But if Noah Fant just you know, just devour Devin Bush, I think you test Devin White as well to see if he can keep pace with Noah Fan.
1: I think you're right. I think you got to test everyone to see if they can keep pace with Noah Fan because he's 6'5", 250 pounds, and he runs 4'5". Like, good luck, you know? <laughs> uh, again, going back to that Monday night game, you know, they tried putting Malcolm Jenkins uh, on Darren Waller, and up until this point in his career, he's been considered a tight end stopper. And he had no chance. I mean, they, they got him off of him as fast as they possibly could because he was just getting bodied, play in, play out. So uh, Broncos, I'd love to see them do that. It, feel, I, it feels like it's been since Peyton Manning where you saw the Broncos f- uh, expose a mismatch and just keep going to it until the other team begs for mercy. I, I'd love to see Pat Shermer and this offense decide that, hey, we're not going <laughs> to let anyone slow us down. Uh, we're going to do this thing on our terms.
2: Yeah, exactly. And uh, obviously another target that you're hitting, at least I think that you're going off after often, is Jerry Judy. I mean, the talent is clearly, clearly there. Maybe get him some easy passes where he doesn't have to worry about catching uh, and, and just at least at the beginning of the game, just to just to get that out of his head mentally because we've seen when he gets the ball in his hands. I mean, it's just a Chris Berman whoop, whoop, and it is it mm-hmm. is so good, so fun. But, guys, guys, I think that's about the extent of the passing we should be talking about here. The Broncos need to run the ball. And, unfortunately, they don't have Phillip Lindsay this week, may not have him for a couple more weeks after this week. So, Melvin Gordon, man, this is on you to keep the Broncos afloat because while getting Noah Fant, Jerry Judy involved is important, it's you got to be able to run the ball. And that does include Jeff Driscoll
1: as well. I. I wish I could agree with you, Zach, but it's not going to be possible. Uh, Teams are going to say, like they have for years uh, against the Broncos when the Broncos have a mediocre at-best quarterback, which you'd probably make the case that mediocre would be a compliment at this point. They're going to say, we're going to stack the box, we're going to run blitz, and we are going to force you to beat us with your arm. Uh, The running game, like – even. You know, from a fantasy perspective, if anyone out there is listening from that perspective, I I would not be starting Melvin Gordon this week, even though he is the main back on a team that needs to run the ball. Because I think the, that any defense they face, until Jeff Driscoll proves otherwise, is going to say, "Go ahead and beat us with your arm," because we are going to take away the run.
0: But one thing with Melvin Gordon is that if they take away the run fine, but he's still capable of getting into space and making plays in the passing game, as we saw last Sunday. So when they're taking one aspect of Melvin Gordon away, it doesn't mean they're taking all of Melvin Gordon away. You get a mismatch. Like you had with him against Vince Williams, uh, running that wheel route to the, to the pylon, then you're going to be able to capitalize and you're still going to be able to get him in the end zone.
2: Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Ryan, I'm happy that you brought that point up because I totally see where you're coming from but I totally disagree because I, man, if Jeff Driscoll's the the one that's forced to beat you these next four to six weeks, I think you're looking at no wins. Maybe, maybe, maybe one win you could get against the jets, but Holy cow. I mean, who are you taking it with the dolphins game? Are you taking Ryan Fitzpatrick or are you taking uh, Jeff Driscoll? Give me Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now you could pick him off like seven times like he does occasionally and win the game, but Oh my goodness, that that scare, scares me to death. I think if, if the Broncos aren't able to establish something of a running game, and hey, maybe it's not running six yards per carry or five yards per carry. Maybe it's the Derrick Henry way of doing it. 31 carries for 111 yards, but that is going to be some serious commitment from Pat Shermer that I don't necessarily see happening.
0: Well, you've also got to keep it a close game. In order to pull that off, that's the other thing. If you fall behind early, uh, that capability just evaporates. And uh, it's one reason why you go back to week one. If you get that fourth and goal touchdown in the second quarter, you're changing Derrick Henry's output because maybe the Titans are behind for most of the second half and maybe they find themselves in a position where they have, where they, where they have to throw the ball. Maybe the Broncos are even up two scores at, at a point in the second half and they're having to go away from Derrick Henry. So you've got to keep the game manageable. The other thing is you don't you accept that you're not going to beat people with Dr- Jeff Driscoll's arm, but you want to beat these opponents with the targets. And that's why with Jerry Judy and Noah Fant, what can both of these guys do? They can make people miss. They can get yardage after the catch. So, don't you don't have to push it downfield? You can get it to them short, let their improvisational ability, their ability to make people miss, come to the fore and then accumulate yardage after the catch without getting Jeff Driscoll in a position to try to make throws that he can't make on a consistent basis.
1: I'd like to see the Broncos show me why they signed Jeff Driscoll as their backup quarterback, because I was sure it was based on the fact that he brings a extra element to the game, which is his ability to run. You know, we're talking about a, a legitimate track star here, not just a you know a guy like Drew Locke who can get out and move outside of the pocket. Jeff Driscoll is a running quarterback, uh, and that's what he proved in college. And even, you know, I remember the Broncos went up against Jeff Driscoll when he was the quarterback in Cincinnati for a couple games uh, and in that game, Cincinnati used his wheels a lot. And I, if I remember correctly, he had a couple big chunks on the Broncos mm-hmm. with keepers. So I, I can't imagine the Broncos brought in Jeff Driscoll to be their backup quarterback. Cause they think he's a good pocket passer. I think they brought him in because they like, you know, okay, if we're going to have a backup quarterback in there, let's at least give him a chance to move around, especially behind some questionable offensive line play. So, Show me that. I mean, on offense, I think you have to add that element in to at least give the defense something to think about.
0: This is but, where you just a defense, right? I mean, that's you, you do things off script. And oh, by the way, Jeff Driscoll, his not his time speed at least it's four five six. Cortland Sutton's a four five four guy. I mean, so Driscoll has legit wheels. He has he has receiver speed.
2: So that's how you replace Cortland Sutton. Just throw Jeff Driscoll on the outside, <laughs> Brett Rippen or Blake Bortles. And on the inside, and really quick. Speaking of Blake Bortles, Ryan, what's your take?
1: Oh, my take is uh, great signing. Uh, If Blake Bortles plays, there's only two options. Option one, Blake Bortles shocks the world. Option two, tasty memes. (laughs) You know, you gotta find a way to stay. You gotta find a way to stay interesting. Uh, and if Blake Bortles plays, I guarantee a few people will just want to see what happens.
2: Yeah, he's he's going to be an interesting character for sure. But now back to, uh, back to using Jeff Driscoll's strengths and, and on the run. Also, if you're doing RPOs and sending him on the run, well, then that's going to help your tight ends even more. Because either if the linebackers stay on your tight ends, Jeff Driscoll turns up, should get five yards. If the linebackers pull and come to Jeff Driscoll, well, boom, easy, easy pass to the tight end where no offense getting the ball five yards downfield. And then he gets the ball in his hands and can make plays. So I, I think there's no downside with that. We've seen Jeff Driscoll play and and be use his athleticism and he knows how to use it. He's not a guy that, that, you know, is going to be taking big hits and uh, you know, pitching the ball when he shouldn't be. So I think you have to lean on that. If you want to win games, you got to get creative here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I talked about the fact that I don't think they're going to run the ball. You talked about the fact that you don't think they're going to be able to win on Jeff Driscoll's arm. And that's why it leads me to this isn't really about the offense. If the Broncos are going to stay afloat while Drew Lock is out. It's a, completely about the defense. They have to be better than they were in week one, better than they were in week two. They have to be dominant if the Broncos are going to stay afloat while Drew Locke is out. Because the offense is not going to score 25 26 27 points if you're expecting that you're gonna lose you need to win the game with 17 points that should be their their goal going into every single week is we're gonna have to probably get a turnover give jeff driscoll a a short field score there we'll get a you know a field goal drive at some point and maybe on the script the the original script or the second half script we'll score uh, a touchdown off that like that is the formula you got to win you got to give up 17 or less points every single week if you're the defense.
0: Okay, can you hold the Bucks to 17 or fewer then? That's, I think you can. That, I mean, it's uh, there's promise from the offense, but this is where you catch a break playing them in week 3 rather than in week 10. Uh, Gronk, Gronk for example hasn't been involved in the offense. At all to this point, he's got two catches. Uh, Mike Evans uh, had a good game last Sunday. Missed Week One. The concern I have is the fact that they will have Mike Evans, who appears to be back to health, and Chris Godwin back from missing a concussion last Sunday, and then O.J. Howard already has a touchdown this year. So, and, and Scott Miller is making some plays uh, in the short area game. So you know what you've you've got a team now that is starting that is starting to develop that multi-layered array of targets to really kind of force defenses into pick-your-poison mode a little bit. It's not where it's going to be in a couple of months, I think, but it might be enough against a secondary that's coming off of a rough day.
2: It's going to come down to turnovers for for this defense, something that we really haven't seen them have success with in a year under Vic Fangio, and especially the start of this season. Ryan, maybe the difference with the Tennessee game is getting one turnover and setting up a short field for Drew. Now you're going to have to do that because the Broncos' defense still held them to 16 points. They were good. that You could say they were great that game, but they have to be elite, and that's a tough task when obviously you don't have Von Miller, you don't have A.J. Boyer for the next couple of weeks, but that's what it's going to come down to, and uh, you need to be jumping some passes. You need to be taking some risks uh, as this Broncos' defense because yeah, it, you could have maybe won that Tennessee game if you set up a short field for your offense by getting at least one turnover, but they weren't even able to do that.
0: And remember yeah. the Tennessee game, Steven Gaskowski bailed out the, the Broncos defense because he left t- he left 10 points on the board. Sure. So the sure. Titans offense and also you know the Broncos with a, a giveaway that set up a short field for the touchdown, but the Titans offense really could have had a 26 point night that night. And the Steelers had 20 would it would have had 24 or they did have 24 but then the uh the safety was tacked on top of that. So that's basically 25 points a game that you're giving that your defense is giving up right now and that's not going to work. Although that being said, you've had short fields both times. So like you guys have mentioned, you can't keep can't keep turning the ball over. You can't create short fields. Your margin for for error right now is like this.
1: Yeah, and it was already small before you lost all these guys. We got a question coming in from TrevLA1 or TrevLA1 uh, who says, any reason Drew has not been placed on injured reserve yet? This is, uh, you know, maybe the, be- the best news I would say so far. You know, that timeline, they said, is two to six weeks. The fact that he has not been placed on IR yet tells me that they think there's still, even if it's a slim chance, a chance that Drew is back after two weeks. Yeah, about- this is
0: you're talking about a bruise, right? I mean, that's, and that's the thing. I mean, you get past a certain point. If it's healing quickly, it becomes a discomfort tolerance thing for Drew Locke. Can he, can he tolerate that? And it's possible that he could be healing well and he could push his way back onto the field sooner rather than later. So keeping him off IR is the wise play.
2: Yeah, and this is actually my question to Vic Fangio today because maybe they do have some intel that, shoot, we thought it was going to be a little worse than it was. We're already getting positive feedback. That would obviously be huge to get because right now I'm just planning on Drew being out on the longer side just to kind of plan for the worst. And then maybe you get the best news of that he's back in two weeks. And also, let's say Drew's not ready to play in that third game. But you didn't put him on IR, but he, he's able to practice a little bit. Hey, every single practice that Drew can get, if he can get one extra practice by not being on the IR, then that is well worth the roster spot in my mind.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of pain tolerance, I don't know if you guys saw this today, but some NFL news this morning that literally made me sick to my stomach. Uh, Chargers team doctor accidentally punctured his own quarterback, Tyrod Taylor's lung before kickoff Sunday. While trying to administer a painkilling injection to the quarterback's cracked ribs. Oh. just like I, I just feel so bad for Tyrod Taylor. That's so, that's just, that just, I, I don't know. I, like I said, I read that and it, like literally my heart dropped. It just feels so wrong. Oh no, my gosh.
0: No yeah. wonder he wasn't
1: able to play.
0: Holy cow. He's Alvin Harper 2.0. When Alvin Harper played in the 1990s, the team trainer was trying to tape up his finger and literally sliced it open.
1: Oh, my God. Yikes.
0: Tra- yeah. Medical staff malpractice. Ugh. Yeah. I, I mean,
2: unfortunately, this is just the most – I mean, this is just the most Chargers thing ever. We oh. know that they, they are always just riddled with injuries and in crazy ways, and, and this is just another one. Now, fortunately for them, Justin Herbert came in and, uh, and proved that he was pretty darn good, at least in that first game. But they're, they're maintaining the tie rods, their quarterback, uh, when healthy.
1: Yeah, that didn't make sense to me. That was very clearly a, uh, uh, a performance from your rookie quarterback where you say, All right, this kid's ready to go. On the other hand, man, it's messed up for a guy to lose his job because your doctor stuck a needle through his lung.
2: Seriously.
1: Uh, so, anyways, that just reminded me of that. But it is, it, it, you know, it could come down to simply pain tolerance for Drew. And if I know anything about Drew Locke, um, he's going to want to play. I mean, he wanted to play on Sunday. He didn't want to come out of that game. He, he thought, you know, he, he probably thought, just give me some painkillers and let's go. Uh, and so I, I think there is a chance. Now that we know there's not any structural damage to Drew Locke's shoulder, which is just, I mean, uh, the Broncos lucked out in that regard. Uh, I think you might see him play sooner than later because that's just the type of player that he is. He, he's going to want to be out there for his guys.
2: So there's a question or I guess a point coming in from Corey Jones and he says, I would not rush lock back. We've said this about a lot of players. No, don't rush him. Don't rush him. Do you, Would you guys be okay with rushing Drew back?
1: So now that you know that it's not structural, it changes things a little bit. Now, uh, that bruise, I assume is, you know, more than just a little bump on your arm. Um, this is probably an ugly ugly bruise uh and so what you do have is a a situation where if he gets hit and he's putting you know putting a lot of stress on that bruise it's going he can regress in terms of his comfort level it's going to hurt more uh and so if you do wait four weeks or so and get him actually fully healthy back the advantage there is you're not worried about him re-injuring it and you're not worried about him you know dealing with the pain if you wait for it The other side of it, though, is just everything we've been talking about here. The Broncos, without Drew Locke, have a very slim chance of winning football games. And so if he tells Vic Fangio, coach, I'm good to go. Like, I can play. Jobs are on the line here, or or a lot of people think jobs are on the line here. I don't think Vic Fangio is going to tell his quarterback, hey, Too soon, man. I know you feel good, but we don't want to put you out there. I just, I don't see that. If Drew says he's ready, he's going to go. And so I, if there was structural damage, I would be saying you wait until that is, he is a hundred percent ready to go. But when it comes down to a pain thing uh, and not really a risk of serious injury because of just a bruise, I I don't think the Broncos are going to use that abundance of caution.
2: Now what that's about terrible. because it is on his throwing arm though and maybe some pain instead of throwing the ball 100% he's throwing the ball 70 or 80%. How do you balance that because Ryan I I do agree with you with that.
0: And that's where the discomfort thing comes in. I mean if you if he is not comfortable enough to have full range of motion when he throws. Like if if that if that pain is limiting him then It's on then it's on the shelf. And that's it's going to be as much a mental thing in that regard, potentially, as a physical thing.
1: Yeah, and and Drew owes it to his teammates to not go out there before he can play good football. Right, right. That
2: that that's a good point. And to me, guys, I feel bad overlooking Tom Brady, but to me, this all comes back to the New (laughs) York Jets in eight days from now. If the Broncos lose that game. They're 0-4. We already talked about what an 0-4 start looks like. Of course, if they're not able to uh, pull off the upset this week. We already know what an 0-4 start looks like because we saw it last year and we know how difficult the odds are to overcome it. Then, are you rushing them back to play the Patriots? Of course, the Broncos don't just want to like give up uh, and, and lose games. No, but then there's, just, there's more uh, of a reason to say, we want Drew to be 100% when he plays so that we can get a true sample size and see if he's our guy in the final nine games after the bye week. Now, if you beat the Jets, let's say you were competitive with the Bucs, then John Elway's not going to just give in. You have 10 days from the Jets game to the Patriots game, then that that's when I can see... Uh, you know Drew playing on an eighty percent shoulder, given that it's it's an eighty percent bruise, not mm-hmm. an eighty percent you know tendon or, or, or ligament, anything going on?
0: Yeah, if you had if you had a tendon ligament injury, if this was an a if this was an AC joint like originally reported, then you know what you're you're sitting him on the shelf, and you know what you might need Drew Lock in that in that game because you're going to New England, and Cam Newton's dad isn't going to be playing in that game, unfortunately, because Von Miller's on the shelf. So you need all the help you can get from the offense.
1: Yeah, it's true. And Cam, my goodness, does he look good?
0: Um, yeah, he's probably he's already he's already the comeback player of the year in all likelihood.
1: <laughs> oh I mean, yeah! If there's shoot. ever a chance for a quarterback to win an award, they're going to make sure they get it.
0: <laughs> Especially a Patriots quarterback.
1: And and to this point, he absolutely looks like he deserves that award. Uh, going head to head with Russell Wilson the other night, uh, one play away from beating russell wilson really uh only thing is i just perfect time for the jump pass how did they not call the jump pass
2: oh my Mm. gosh that's what i thought too you at least send one guy into the end zone right
1: yeah i thought this i was like oh here it comes they have set this up all game you know it's just like when when the quarterback's (laughs) giving the zone read all game and then in the most important moment he pulls it i was just like oh man this Seahawks defense is going to sell out to stop the Cam sneak. Everyone in the in the world thinks that's what's coming. All you got to do is just leak the tight end out, pop it over the top. Game over.
2: Mm. So easy. And that's what exactly what they did. They sold out 100% to stop Cam.
1: Because as a defense, you can't you can't um plan for both things. And so you're saying we're not losing on the play that they just have scored at will on us tonight. We're going to make sure we take that away. If they get us with a little misdirection, oh well. Yep,
2: yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, guys, and speaking of other quarterbacks around the league, now doctors are telling Tyrod Taylor not to play indefinitely due to that punctured lung. The Chargers just announced that it will be Justin Herbert this week. Man, I I, I feel so bad for Tyrod. He's actually a good quarterback. And it just feels like he's gotten the short end of the stick pretty much every single place he's been.
0: He's a good core. I mean, good quarterback. He's not spectacular, but he's good for a certain type of team that is built around defense, the running game and short to intermediate targets. So he actually was a good fit for the chargers. I thought I kind of liked the signing of Tyrod Taylor to keep that team afloat. Now they'll force Justin Herbert in and If he's out indefinitely, I think Herbert's going to struggle because now he, he, what a a lot of what he did Sunday was the element of surprise. No film. Chiefs hadn't prepared for him. Now you're going to have teams that prepare for him. And I think Justin Herbert's going to, in terms of his play, regress a little bit, but continue to grow in terms of his viability as a quarterback. By the time Tyrod Taylor gets healthy, it might be Justin Herbert's job. And Tyrod, I mean, Tyrod Taylor might be becoming this modern-day Steve DeBerg to hearken back to an old Bronco quarterback who kept going around the league. Steve DeBerg was the quarterback before Joe Montana. Then he was the quarterback in Denver before John Elway. Then he goes to Tampa, and he's the quarterback before Steve Young. They trade Steve Young. They keep DeBerg. They is the quarterback before Vinny Testaverde. This may be Tyrod Taylor's lot in life at this point to be the guy who is the cushion between an old era and a new QB.
1: Yeah, uh, and this goes in and this would be a long conversation, maybe a whole day in an offseason pod, but it's, it's something that I think is undercovered in the NFL, and that is the lack of trust between players and team medical personnel. Mm. Uh, it exists and, and it's just not talked about a lot. And this is one of the reasons now it's not usually just because they're not good at their jobs. In fact, a lot of these guys really are good at their jobs, but players don't. A lot of players don't trust team medical personnel. Um, some of it is because they think that they are more concerned about the team, uh, team's interest than the player's interest. Some of it is because they don't think they're as good as some of the outside places they can go, especially because they have the money to pay for whatever they want. Uh, but you know, it's a it's an interesting dynamic in the NFL, and I promise you uh, that a lot of the Chargers are looking across the locker room today, being like, "Yeah, the, the, mm-hmm. the, I, I don't I don't trust these people."
0: And it's the Chargers, right? this could only happen to the chargers. Yeah. I mean, we, the, the team that is probably more snake bit by major injuries over the years than anybody else. Well, a lot of those injuries are football injuries, this is one that you're inflicting upon yourself as an organization. This is next level for the San Diego slash LA chargers.
1: Real quick. We got a commenter here. So he's going off to work. We'll see you later, Ashton. Thanks for tuning in with us. (laughs) Have a good day at work. Um, but yeah, uh, So I think the the moral of the story here, and to circle back to our headline of this show, how the Denver Broncos stay afloat during Drew Locke's injury, whether that's two weeks or six weeks, it really comes down to being creative on offense, getting Jeff Driscoll into easy reads and easy situations, taking advantage of his legs, finding a way to run the ball. And I forgot to mention this. and I think it is important that uh, Melvin Gordon is the second best running back uh, in the NFL since he came in the league at running against stacked boxes. So that's that's going to mm-hmm. be very important for him to show that value over the next couple of weeks. And then it just comes down to the defense. They have to get off the field on third downs, and they have to get a better pass rush.
0: And remember, Pat Shermer's been taking a lot of heat, justifiably so. But remember what he did back in 2017 when Case Keenum got thrust into the lineup? Turned Case Keenum into something he had never been before and played to his strengths had him running play action, something he was very good at. And then a year later, in our various f- forums, we were frustrated by the fact that Broncos and Bill Musgrave wouldn't play to that strength. The fact that Pat Shermer did adjust things for Case Keenum to make it work for him in 2017, that's another thing on which I'm pinning hope for the next few weeks with Jeff Driscoll.
1: If if Pat Shermer can get the offense going with Jeff Driscoll, uh, it will be payback to the Broncos or the false positive that he showed them of case Keenum that cost them $18 million.
2: Maybe that's why
1: Vic Fangio <laughs> is so worried about potential
2: false positives. He's like, did you guys just see what you had in 2018 here?
0: <laughs> oh, so well, I think uh, he's still Vic still burned by John 4k from 1989. That, that's the thing. Vic has a long memory. Yeah, man. that That feels like that was even before I was born.
1: Oh, yeah, me too.
0: <laughs> and me, the old guy, actually remembers watching John Fourcade in person when wow. the Saints played the Bucks in Tampa.
1: Well, you know what? That's why we have great perspectives on this show. <laughs> All right. uh, To those of you who are watching on YouTube, we'd really appreciate if you give us a thumbs up on this video and go ahead and subscribe to the DNVR YouTube channel. Right next to the subscribe button is a little bell. You click that, you're going to get an alert every single time we have a new video, uh, which is always awesome for us. So we appreciate that. We appreciate everyone who's tuning in. Of course, as we get later in the week, tomorrow and Friday, we'll definitely zone in on the matchup with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this weekend. Broncos have a chance to, uh, just like the Nuggets. get it to 2-1 uh, and uh, and feel like they're right back in this thing. So we will catch you later in the week. We appreciate you guys for tuning in, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Well, for those of you tuning in on the podcast format, thanks for sticking with us here. And uh, if you have a chance, head over to iTunes and leave us a review. We've had some amazing reviews recently, so thank you to everyone uh, who has gone in there and said said nice things about us, giving us five stars. We've got a nice little streak roll it, so let's keep it going. Uh, But as we move on, you know, the drill. Got to tell you about Breckeridge Brewery. Damn good beers and the official beers of DNVR. Always a good time for a Breck brew. Great times having some Breck brews last night after that Nuggets win. Uh, But like I said, there's never a bad time for a Breck brew. Maybe an RK special. Maybe you just go with some of the classics like the Avalanche Amber Ale, Strawberry Sky, uh, Nitro Vanilla Porter. It's like a milkshake, but a beer. It's fantastic. So Whenever you crave a beer, crave a Breck beer.
2: We know 2020 has, you know, it's been 2020. Outside of the fact that Infinity Park in Glendale is now the official place for United States rugby. Of course, it was announced earlier this year that Infinity Park in Glendale is the new official training center for men's and women's USA Eagles 15 teams. That means Colorado is the place for rugby in the United States, and thednvr.com is the place for all of that great coverage. So really, thednvr.com, us here at DNVR, are covering rugby in the United States better than anyone else, and our guy Colton Strickler is leading that charge. he has got it with some great articles on thednvr.com. He's got the podcast dnvr rugby and also on twitter at dnvr rugby so make sure to check out all of those because we really are leading the rugby charge in the united states so make sure to check out ddnvr.com to get in on all
1: of the action and speaking of articles on ddnvr.com i feel like uh the three of us have had some pretty good ones recently it's been a while since we told the people uh about heading over there checking out all of the work that we do there you know we've become uh it seems like podcast hosts first in a lot of people's minds but most of us got uh got our chops or i think all three of us got our chops in the writing side of things so if you want to see one of our other talents go over to the dnvr.com and check out all of the coverage we've been providing on the team uh we appreciate all of the members who leave comments here we know that they've been uh subscribed or a dnvr member for a long time so uh go check us out
2: And when you join our family, use the code BRONCOS2020 to get a free T-shirt of your choice, a mask, and a sticker pack. So, I mean, just plenty of reasons why now is the time to ride with
1: us. Absolutely. Okay, and speaking of riding with us, let's talk to the people who do ride with us. And the first comment comes in from, are you lying to Dwayne Berry? Petition to refer to Jeff Driscoll as Jeff Dripkle for the entire season that doesn't really have a good ring to it but i'm cool with jeff drizzle
2: yeah or yeah i was okay i was thinking jeff drizzy but yeah drizzle
1: as well
0: i don't know i I think we stick with drizzle and you you hope he is a drizzling defenses with a variety of short passes to those broncos pass catching targets who can make guys miss and accumulate yards after the catch that's what i want exactly
1: Yeah, Is it, he's just drizzling uh, a little drizzling yeah. a little sauce on each pass. <laughs> yeah, a little little
0: little five yarder Noah Fant, seventy yarder Jerry Judy, uh, six yarder on a cross to KJ Hamler. Let him let him make some moves.
2: That makes Trust sense. I, Drizzy, Drizzy though, it's because he's you know he's doing spin moves on defenders. He's juking them out. He's doing the Jerry Judy whoop and just making the defenders uh, a little dizzy.
0: Wouldn't that be drizzly too? it could be yes (laughs) oh man Count Locula will someone with more resources than I please start a petition to put Vic in the box love the count
1: it's my Vic in a box wouldn't
2: that be Uh, something if that's the way it was announced John Elway and Vic Fangio doing a little dance (laughs) oh
1: my god he pops out of one of those giant like present things (laughs) (laughs) oh man
0: (laughs) I think I think there's a GIF possibility here if done right. That would no,
1: be a, for a, sure. Yeah, that would be a very or a GIF, 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 whatever. It's it's GIF, you know, just just accept it, people. <laughs> I'm tired of this debate. Even I don't even care that the guy who invented it said it was supposed to be GIF. Oh no way! I didn't know yes. that. Oh wow!
0: And this, I mean, this debate has literally going been going on for over twenty years. I remember my first, uh, my first job out of school. Um, when I was working at the, for the company that was running the NFL's website, I was out in Seattle, and there were a lot of tech people there. And I was party to some of these GIF versus GIF arguments. I, and I it, it's it, it's just it's something that we're going to be debating twenty years from now. I'm I'm sure.
1: Well, honestly, I just
2: well, so I was going to say I honestly thought GIFs were like new as of two years ago. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I just, is there another situation where a G makes a J sound like that? Giraffe. So that, that's what we're, uh, we're leaning on here. <laughs> giraffe. <laughs> if it's a gif of a giraffe, I support calling it a gif.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyways, back to petitioning to put Vic at the box. Yeah, how many signatures do we need on that?
2: uh one john ellen
1: oh, okay cool <laughs> like i wrote in my article in my opinion you can't even begin the conversation about firing vic fangio until you have at least given him that chance
2: do you think it? do you think it is someone above vic saying you can't be in the box or do you think it's vic saying i don't want to be in the box or do you think it's just kind of a no coaches do that so Uh, we're we're not even going to talk about
0: it it's it's the last one and the thing the thing is when you're in the box you don't have a chance to talk to players as much so maybe you don't have that same uh, that awareness of who's doing well who who's isn't but I think the biggest thing is that it just hasn't been done and 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 that frustrates me frankly because you can go back through the history of any sport and something was considered absurd until somebody did it. And then next thing you know, it became the norm. I mean, there was a time decades ago when it wasn't considered proper practice for coaches to wear a headset as a a head coach, at least to wear a headset during a game. And Going into Super Bowl 16, Bill Walsh, the great Bill Walsh, it was considered a big deal that he was wearing a headset. No Super Bowl-winning coach has worn a headset during a game. Well, he did the 49ers one, and then it was something you didn't hear about two years after that. So that's, it's just – there's a long history of things like this. If he sees the field better, if he feels like he can call defenses better, what's wrong with trying it?
1: Nothing. And honestly, it's like I said, it would, to me, it would be unfair to start going down the path of firing Vic Fangio before you've given him what I believe is his best chance to be successful.
2: Yeah. And maybe then he's able to make those last fourth, fourth quarter uh, minute changes because that's what he's used to. And when he was in Chicago, he was able to see the whole field and, and make those changes to the defenses or that offenses aren't able to make those comebacks at the end of a game. Uh, And this just makes me think of Josh McDaniels, Josh McDaniels. I feel like whenever they show him on the sideline, he's sitting next to his quarterback. I mean, they're talking X's nose. They're looking at the screen together. Yes. Of course you're not going to put him in the box. He's a guy that needs to be down there. Whenever I see Vic Fangio on the sideline, He's by himself. He, he has a little bubble yes. around him and he walks around and that's it. So it's not like he's getting these great interactions with his defensive players, with his, with his coaches, with his quarterback. So there's just, again, no reason not to do this. But my question to you guys is what needs to change? I mean, how are they just going to eventually say, Vic, let's put you up there. What needs to happen?
1: I don't know. I mean, eventually I feel like enough L's pile up where they can't get a stop at the end of the game. And they say, we need to give our – our defensive genius a better opportunity to call better plays at the end of the game. Like he's it's not like we're just making this up. He has said it's uncomfortable for him. He has said he likes to have his handwritten game plan spread out all across the desk in front of him. Again, you brought him here for one reason. One one reason. You wanted an elite defensive coach. Well you are you are taking away part of his ability to be that. And if I'm being honest, he hasn't looked like an elite defensive coach to me since he's been here. He's looks like a very good defensive coach. Give him a chance to be elite. It just doesn't. And again, you know, you don't have to do it now, but I, I think if you one day end up firing him before you gave him that chance, I think that that's, that's on you. A uh, part of his failure.
0: Yeah. Well, just like you put players in a position to succeed that you want to put them in the spots that show allow them to showcase their talents I think the same thing goes for coaches too.
2: Yeah, totally, totally agree. Dan Burke... With a Calvin Anderson Quiet Emoji. Hey guys, is Sutton still eligible for an extension this offseason? I think there was something about three occurred seasons, but I'm not sure if that's changed in the latest CBA or if this season counts because he was on the week one roster. I'm fully confident that he'll rebound from his injury, so it might be an opportunity to buy low if that is the case. Maybe instead of giving him twenty million per year, you get him locked up for 14 million a year. Well, Dan, you are correct. You can extend him after this this year.
0: You can, but that has not been the Broncos' MO even with guys who have been healthy. That that's the thing that that it runs against. Is it a good idea in theory if you get the sense that he's going to be 100% coming back from his knee, at knee injuries? Absolutely, it's a good idea. That being said, I think the other thing that has to come into play here is if in the time between now and when he recovers, if Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler emerge and show their potential, and then it might be a scenario where they just don't want to put that much money to a wide receiver when they have those young kids coming up.
2: Or Mace, what if you do sign him after this season, Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler develop, and then you have Cortland Sutton locked up for let's say 14 million a year for five years. And then once it's time to pay Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, because they've proved their worth, then you have Cortland Sutton who still has two or three years left on his deal, on a, on a good deal, on a team friendly deal. Then maybe you could trade him for a lot.
1: Uh, you, Zach, that makes way too much sense. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, and the other thing, unfortunately, that you're butting up against here is a uh, cash that you have to put in escrow for the guarantee and Drink. everybody, <laughs> Hey, look. That $250,000 team fine could li- literally could not have come at a worse time for the Denver Broncos.
1: Wear your damn mask then.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Serious. Oh, my goodness. Um. Well, so what do you guys think? Should the Broncos give Jerry Ju- – or not Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton an extension after this year and maybe get him, you know, instead of $20 million, for fourteen million or something like that, and what 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 do you think a realistic number for both sides
1: would be? I don't know. I honestly don't know. I I'd have to take a moment and go look at what the uh the the wide receiver market is looking like these days. But I definitely think if you extend him after this year, you could get him a little below the top of that market.
0: Well, you got Chris Harris Jr. at below market value by signing him to a deal in December of 2014. So you were close to the end of that season. At that point, the Broncos had seen Chris in action for, I believe I believe it was, a, I believe it was four, uh, 13 or 14 games when they gave him that deal. And then basically took advantage of the fact that uh, Chris had just been through the ordeal of recovering from a torn torn ACL and were able to get him at less than market value. I don't think they're going to consider giving him a deal until they see him actually out there playing and know he's all the way back. He's all the way back. The problem is the more he plays, the more his value is going to go up.
2: Yeah. If you want a deal on him, you have to do it before you see him play. And it's tough to give someone a four or five year extension worth tons of tons of money without seeing them, how they play after an ACL and MCL. So I don't think a deal gets done. And then if you approach him at the end of the year, you're not going to get a deal on him. I mean, maybe $1 million per year off, but not six.
1: Uh, The rest of this question, is is this still my question? Whose question was this?
2: Uh, He goes on and says, also the 49ers have raised concerns about the field conditions at MetLife Stadium and the NFLPA is backing them on this. The 49ers are playing at MetLife again this weekend. So if there's another load of injuries, then would y'all consider resting some players for the Jets game? You know, the lifeboat guys. Forgot about the lifeboat
1: boys. (laughs) Um, Yes, I would. Now, first of all, if there's another boatload of injuries uh, this week, I think that they might have to consider moving the game. Uh, I don't, especially with no fans, um, you could go to a college stadium in that, in that area you know, where Rutgers plays or just anywhere else. If the players are complaining about it this much and then it happens again, the NFL and NFLPA are going to have to have some conversations about moving that game.
0: Yeah, I mean literally you could talk about Rutgers, Columbia, Fordham, Princeton. I mean, you just there there are a boatload of venues that you that you can use to play this game if you can't play the game at MetLife Stadium and and, and do so without changing anybody's logistics and get, all you're doing is telling the buses to go to a different spot shoot. If worst came to worst, if you have no fans, what's to stop you from playing the game inside the practice bubble at the Jets facility? the practice bubble where the Broncos back in, in uh, late January, early February of 2014 decided it was a good idea to not pipe in crowd noise.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah Sorry.
0: Rough. Couldn't um, help it. it. Just thinking about it gave me a bad flashback, guys.
2: Yeah, I, I see no reason why not to play the game somewhere else if there's more injuries. But if they don't, do you guys see the Broncos sitting players? Because I don't
1: see that happening at all.
0: No, I, uh, I, I, I don't.
1: No, but I think that maybe they're going to – I don't know. Football is tough, man. If this was any other sport, I would say there might be some players who say, who say I refuse to play on that. There's soccer players all the time who say I'm not playing on turf. Um, so mm-hmm. maybe, you know, someone – a veteran who has a strong presence like a, a Kareem Jackson. Now I'm not saying he would specifically – but a guy like that, who is outspoken, not afraid to have an opinion, says, I'm not playing on that, that garbage. Uh, right. I'm, I'm, why would I risk tearing my ACL? If you guys aren't going to do something about this, I'll do something about this. I'm, I'm sitting down.
0: Yeah. The other possibility I was thinking for where they, that, that game, if they say it's got to be in an NFL stadium, they just take it down the road to Philadelphia. And then they better, can play it on better, grass.
1: Better stadium anyway.
0: Yeah, exactly. And then they can play it on, on grass as opposed to what is often derisively in soccer called the plastic pitch.
1: Yeah. Also, better, uh, better press box, Mace, in Philadelphia.
0: Uh, the MetLife press box isn't bad.
1: No, but, but the Philadelphia one is my favorite.
0: Why is it what your favorite?
1: Because it's low.
0: The, the Have you ever been to Tennessee? I
1: have not been to Tennessee.
0: Okay, that, that if you ever go, that'll be your favorite because that's low that's low and on the sideline.
1: Oh, nice.
0: That that, that is, it's an old school location. That Tennessee has the best press box in the NFL.
1: The other one that was great that we aren't going to get anymore is the Soccer Stadium.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> that was a, right. that was actually enjoyable. I mean, you get a nice get a nice breeze good good views from wherever you're sitting even if you were in the auxiliary i actually moved down to the auxiliary last year at the soccer stadium because it was so tight in the main press box so i just moved down sat over the goal line spread out and and enjoyed the breeze blowing from uh, off the pacific ocean in the distance and it was lovely
2: wasn't that wasn't the chargers stadium wasn't it nice if you didn't have a pole in your way though didn't they have, yeah, like, pole oh, problems?
1: Well, I didn't have a pole in my way the first time I was there. I had a wall in my way that was blocking <laughs> off the entire uh, north end zone.
2: So there you go. As long as you can yeah. see, then it's a good place.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, as long as you don't get the short end from whoever is choosing the seat- seating assignments. Well, guys, yeah. I bet
2: the uh, Raiders and Chargers will now have pretty nice press boxes.
1: I bet. Mm-hmm. All right, from Bronco Turp, my boys. Reading through Twitter these last few days has been depressing. Refreshing every few seconds, hoping for good news, only, only to be shattered by more daggers. What a mess. However, I feel like the heart the guys showed last week could carry over and us-versus-them mentality could form fast with a decent showing versus Brady's Bucks. This is where their youth could help fight back the doom and gloom. They simply may not know better. Here's hoping. Drizzle and Bortle service 2020.
0: <laughs> you know, we're talking about the soccer stadium, and – as Bronco Turp had that comment and I heard it, I thought back to that game last year in week five. When, think about it, Bradley Chubb had just been hurt. There were rumors that morning uh, and reports about uh, trading Von Miller, about Discord in the locker room, et cetera. And the Broncos had to make some lineup changes. Nobody expected them to go out to LA and win. And they did.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
2: Yep. Yeah, they could step up in the face of adversity. Drew Lockerboy says, Boys, More research has been done. The first uses of the DNVR intro was first used leading up to the Jaguars game. So what this means is that it avoided the first three losses, finishing its overall record at seven and six. Now, one would mention that the BSN version was in use since mid-2018. But who cares? When you look at the stats, it made me kind of gloomy, only because when you look at the games this season, it's looking to be another seven and nine season, which I guess... It just means it's going to be another developmental season, like the second half of 2019, which hopefully it means it will explode in 2021, DLB.
1: Yeah, I mean, we'll see, we'll see what happens down the stretch. But, um, you know, to draw another Nuggets comparison, uh, that team had to lose in game 82 uh, with a chance to make their first playoff run to be the team that they are today. First, they had their hearts broken in that way. Then they had their hearts broken because they couldn't make a damn three-point shot in game seven against the Trailblazers. Now they have another chance. And every single time you go through this, you get a little stronger. It's not a perfect science. Uh, You know, the Warriors, uh, you know, had a slow build when Steph Curry first got there. So these things are not overnight. and, And if the Broncos do end up having a season where they don't make the playoffs again this year, which is not, it's not out of the question yet. Uh, but hopefully they are in some some big time games because that is what fortifies you. So I hope, you know, at some point during the season, they have a chance to put up, you know, a, a big red mark around a game on a schedule and say we need this. One. This is a huge game. Uh, that's that's how teams grow. Yeah. Yep.
2: I, mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. Uh, totally agree.
1: All right, before we move on, a shout-out to DraftKings. Man, I I mean, I just call DraftKings like the sports enhancer. Um, You can watch any game and be completely invested if you use DraftKings. And it doesn't matter if you put $2, $5, $10 on the game. You're going to feel a rush uh, when you have a little skin in the game, and that's what you get at DraftKings. And in week three, DraftKings is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried it out yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings is giving all new users a chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team and get it right. That's right, you can place $1 to bet on any team. And if that team wins, you cash a cool Benjamin. How could you possibly pass that up? And if you're not interested in betting on one football team, which I'm sure a lot of you are – You've also got UFC 253 this weekend, and you know DraftKings is be be coming with awesome promotions for that. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code DNVR when you sign up to get that can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week three. Bet $1 on them and win $100 if they win $1 to win $100. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. And, yes, that is a $1,000 $1,000 sign-up bonus when you use the code DNVR. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700.
0: You
2: know what else makes just life more exciting is coffee. It just makes everything better. And Strava Craft Coffee is the best coffee to be sipping on because sometimes – the coffee gives me the coffee jitters and that's not something I'm looking for. But Strava craft coffee has the perfect two in one punch because I get the caffeine with their delicious coffee. But then I also get the CBD, which helps bring those coffee jitters down. The CBD also helps with aches, pains, migraines, headaches, really anything that's going on. The CBD can help relieve those issues going on and you get the fun part of coffee with that caffeine. So make sure to check out Strava craft coffee, use that magical code dnvr 20 to get 20 percent off your first purchase and we've really got a, a three pack right here if you want to try strava craft coffee you want to try a cup of it check them out check us out at the dnvr bar where you can get strava craft coffee on tap in cold brew fashion delicious then you want to try uh, a pack for yourself well Use the magical code DNVR20 when you order online to get 20% off. Then you like it so much, which you probably will, then subscribe to Strava Craft Coffee, and you'll save 20% on every single order that you do. And you can also get your order set up to ship to you every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks. And that's what you need because you need a little fun in your life, and Strava Craft Coffee is where it's at. So check them out, Strava Craft Coffee. Use that magical code DNVR20 on your first
1: order. Next one's from Love Thunder Down Under. Beat me. Sorry, folks. That was a long comment yesterday. Forgive me. Got a bit too too poetic for my own good while on the john. And no, I'm not an alcoholic, though. I thought deeply about this. Anyhoot, I read a comment on Facebook yesterday. There's your first mistake. About someone putting the blame for Cortland Sutton's knee injury on the m- medical staff because they cleared him to play. Can I see a casual link between him tipping the high ball, having it intercepted, and then doing his knee? Sure. It's reasonable. It's, it is reasonable to blame anyone. No, right. (laughs) No one's to blame. You had to, you know, this is football guys try to get back as fast as they can. You're trying to win football games. They, you know, thought they could help him deal with the pain and he could get back. You can draw some lines in between there, but you can draw lines on pretty much any injury I'm sure. Um, So it's, it's not, I I personally don't fault them. If it was the shoulder that he somehow sprained worse and that was going to keep him out, then I would say that's on the medical staff.
0: Yeah, that's a a good point. And unfortunately, this is is one of those kind of bad luck injuries where a player gets hurt in a type of contact that you're not expecting him. And I certainly hope it's not as severe, and I hope he recovers, but it sort of reminded me of Terrell Davis back in 1999, getting hurt, trying to – to trying to make a tackle on a fumble recovery.
1: Yeah, it yeah. sucks. Yeah, but it's it's, especially it's because football. It was, especially yeah. cuz it was Cortland's fault the ball was intercepted. That makes it suck even more. Yeah. yeah.
2: But this again, Ryan, you, you hit it on the head. If it was a shoulder injury then yeah, you could you could point to that, but this is totally different. Yep. Next one coming in from True Champ Fan 24. May Circa 1997. The Broncos uniforms make me want to vomit, probably. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it was funny. Like I just I got down a rabbit hole last night looking up some newspapers, and I found up myself looking up stuff from the Bucks and Broncos uniform changes of 1997. It was interesting that they changed in the same year within uh, a few months of each other. And uh, and then and then I'm like, oh my gosh, I real I didn't I'd forgotten that I had a comment that got published about it at the time but uh i didn't realize that my comment to the tampa tribune until i reread it included bashing the broncos uniforms from afar like i did <laughs> wow. I, I referred to the broncos design of 1997 as outlandish
2: <laughs> wow would you so, still say that same thing about their current uniforms
0: i'd say that the the side swooshes are outlandish and even worse than that they're dated but i, I was thinking this to myself i side swooshes became a thing after the Broncos did it, and you saw it on some college uniforms, and then you saw more side panels that weren't necessarily swooshes in the NFL that came into vogue. I can't think of a uniform that had side panels on the jersey that I, I liked, I just that are, that are a different color than the rest of the jersey. I just think it's an ugly look.
2: I can definitely tell you I can't think of any jerseys with any such <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
0: I remember the Orlando Predators in the Arena League did it. It was basically a Broncos knockoff. I'm like that looks terrible. Why are you doing that? Why Are you ripping off a bad uniform? <laughs>
2: uh, next one coming in from the big T. Quick note to RK about rugby injuries. When you don't have a helmet and pads, you have much you have much higher regard for your own life and the person you are tackling. You're, you're taught at an early age how to tackle properly in rugby, wrapping up cleanly and putting your head in a position that keeps it safe. Also, in rugby, a no-arms tackle is a penalty often resulting in a red card, but nearly always in a yellow card these days. You cannot just smash into someone like you can in the NFL. You have to wrap your arms around them. It just means less injuries. No, yellow card in rugby is 10 minutes in the sin bin, meaning your team has to play 10 minutes without with a man down. Red card is being sent off disqualification, and you have to play with only 14 men for the rest of the game. Red cards are bad. Honestly, though, I prefer the violence of American football. That hit from Kareem Jackson on Nuke last year, I drool when I think about it. Very few tackles in rugby have that level of wow. Would removing helmets and pads in the NFL mean less injuries? I'm 100% sure it would, but I am also 100% sure it is a bad move. Besides, helmets and pads look cool. Speedball anyone? Peace out and love to all. Big T. Yeah,
1: great points there on rugby. And, you know, it's just – it's something that they have to break down and build from the ground up if they were ever going to make them tackle more like rugby. And some coaches have tried, but in the end, like, you just feel a lot more safe when you have armor all over you. Yeah,
0: but it can be a false sense of security, though. Yeah,
1: totally. Yeah, No, it it absolutely can. From Bangkok Bronco. Hey, gents, let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear sporting gods, after your cruel robbery of the abs in Game 7 overtime, the capitulation of the Rockies after an insanely hot start, and the injuries and bad luck already inflicted on the Broncos this season, please let it be a sign that you're directing all of your positive Colorado sporting energy into one entity, and let Grandpa LeBron and not like that AD be smoked and the NBA championship be delivered to the Nuggets. In Nicola's name, we pray, Amen. Love it. <laughs> Moving on to Broncos. I I heard that Sam Martin received a strange prank call after dropping the snap against the Steelers. Rumors that it came from Trapuca family are described as unconfirmed but likely.
0: Oh my God! Yeah. Uh, 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 uh. You know, I haven't checked. Uh, I haven't checked the uh, the elder Tripuka's, uh Twitter feed recently. Of course. Uh, Chris Trapuca, who is Frank's son and Shane's father, uh, very active on social media and has tweeted at all of us at various points over the the years, yep. uh, extolling the virtues of his son, Shane. Let me see here. I'm, I'm looking at his Twitter feed and, uh, Oh, he, well, he says, Oh, Sam, Sam is a good is a good punter. Uh, Currently only a net average of 39.7, but yes, he is good. I will say, however, I guarantee Shane would have very similar, better, <laughs> better stats than Sam at minimum salary, and he will never drop a snap. So, yes, Chris, <laughs> the <laughs> Trapuca family has chimed in.
1: Oh, man, that's good. That's funny. Oh, man. But, then-
0: but you, had to, you had to dig through a lot of, uh, a lot of political retweets to to get to that tweet. I'm um, uh, yikes. <laughs> and last oh.
2: one rounding us out coming in from Brian. He says, "Here's my goal for the season. Two unexpected pro bowlers from one of our replacement players. That is all. Let's build this talent. Don't lose
1: faith, boys." I dig it. Yeah. I dig it. Uh let's get some candidates though. Who who do you guys think would be um who's the most likely player to kind of have like an Alexander Johnson-esque rise where he didn't quite make the Pro Bowl last year, but he came in midseason uh, and proved himself to be a very capable starter.
0: I think Noah Fant's a good
1: possibility here. Yeah, Even really though a- he's
0: already starting, but as far as going, who is going to be a first-time Pro Bowler?
2: If you're going Noah Fant, then I'm going Jerry Judy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to play the game the way it's supposed to be played and say – that um does Michael Ojemudia count is he a replacement player yeah I'll mm-hmm. give it to you he, he's replacing someone right now uh, I don't think he's actually going to make the Pro Bowl but I think he's going to have <laughs> the the rise that you're thinking of here where he wasn't expected to play now you trust him as a legitimate starter
2: yeah yeah maybe DeMar Dotson
1: no He'll uh, be a pro bowler. I love. I love this thing that's going on right now, where like people are talking about the youth movement, but also still asking for Damar Dotson <laughs> Like I honestly think that the time for Damar Dotson has come and gone right before our eyes. Um. Um, the opportunity to capitalize on him would have been, you know, before you needed to play a, a lot. You know, play a lot of young guys to see what you have in them. Well, the
0: other thing is why was DeMar Dotson brought in? Because you weren't sure about Elijah Wilkinson Oh, by the way, DeMar Dotson, even though with his physical limitations, he's not the run blocker that he once was, he's still pretty good in pass pro. So DeMar Dotson might literally have prevented what happened on Sunday. Are you trying to keep your quarterback upright? If so, then you have to play Dotson unless he just is terrible in practice. And, At least in training camp, I didn't see a guy who was terrible. I saw a guy who was a a serviceable, solid right tackle, especially in pass pro.
2: When we talked to Vic on Monday, he said he hadn't even thought about playing uh, or about changing right tackle. You think that thought's come into the Broncos organization's mind the past 48 hours?
0: Someone's thought about it. I mean, I don't know if it's been a coach, but I've... I guarantee you, somebody has brought up the notion of saying, "Well, we got Demar Dotson, Why don't we give him a whirl?"
2: Wait, if it wasn't
0: if it wasn't a coach, like what do you what do you mean? Like a a scout, a an executive, you know, someone high, someone higher up. It, it, someone I am sure has brought up the notion at some point.
1: Maybe the money guy should go in and say, "Wait, why did we pay this guy? If we're never going to play
2: him." <laughs> Johnny's costing us three million dollars. Let's use him.
1: Yeah, get get your money's worth uh, on that.
0: Yeah, your your cap guy, cause like, like, hey, you know, you you use some of that cap space that you have, or uh, or Joe Ellis, who you know, who ultimately the budget goes through him. So you know, we're we're paying for this guy. Let's let's get him out there.
2: Yeah, Joe <laughs> won't be doing that. I can guarantee that.
1: <laughs> I tweeted this out the other day, and it came to me after the podcast, and I just want to see where you guys stand on this. I don't think it applies to the Broncos yet, but do you think you're going to see more tanking this year? the combination of Trevor Lawrence and no one having to worry about uh, attendance numbers, do you think you might actually see some legitimate tanking? Because tanking in the NFL, as we've noticed over the last couple of years, doesn't actually really happen. Like, even last year you saw the Dolphins pulling out miraculous wins in Week 17. Uh, Do you think there's a chance that we see some teams, like, sell the farm at the trade deadline and really try to put themselves in a position to get the number one overall pick?
2: I think the jets are doing a darn good job right now. And I think you could see Adam Gase fired midway through the season. And I don't know if that's, I don't think they're going to fire him with hopes of like playing better down the stretch. It could just be like a full out commitment to, okay, we're starting from scratch.
0: Well, yeah, but, I mean, if you're playing badly, you don't want to make that change that might, galvanize, that might galvanize a team. That's the only, th- that's the only danger if you're, if you're an organization trying to tank with firing the coach. If you're losing a bunch of games, don't you want to maintain status quo?
1: Yeah, yeah. You want the team to turn on Adam Gase and really just, like, have a mutiny going on in
2: there.
1: <laughs> yeah, and then
0: he I- just quits. I feel bad for Sam Darnold, because if you, if you, if you break his, his film down, he's doing some good things, and he's making some really good throws. And it yeah. just doesn't matter. I mean, Sam Darnold, like, if, if Pittsburgh moved on from Ben Roethlisberger, if Ben Roethlisberger decided to retire after this year, you put Sam Darnold on Pittsburgh, I think he'd do great.
1: Yeah. So many times where this happens where a player yeah. could have been great, but they ended up on a bad team. No
2: man, remember when Adam Gase thought he was going to become the head coach of the Broncos? It it appears that's uh very good that that did not happen.
1: He was not, I mean, I said this when he got hired, he was he did nothing, absolutely nothing to deserve that job. And you know, he had his chance in Miami, that was that was earned, or at least you know, he he rode the coattails of Peyton long enough to get that job.
0: And he didn't but do entirely badly there. I mean, they I, but, went, they went to the playoffs. So.
1: Yeah, I thought he did a bad enough job in Miami that he did not deserve uh, another chance. The marks weren't great, and now the the Jets are paying for it. They, they made a terrible decision hiring him. Um, and maybe, just maybe, I don't think it's actually going to happen, but maybe the Broncos have a chance to get him back for that onside kick at <laughs> some point. And maybe, just maybe, if the Broncos – put a beat down on the jets they might put the final nail in his coffee
0: well i think that it's funny you mentioned that because um if they get out in front of the jets in that thursday night game i'm i'm sure on some level it's going to be made clear internally that uh hey you, you, you keep the hammer down that you, you you might see them up if they're up say 27 to 7 late in the third early in the fourth quarter you, you see Jeff Driscoll throwing deep to Jerry Judy, stuff like that. You see him keep pushing and pushing. How about an onside kick? I, I, I would love that.
1: You know what? You guys, I would do backflips if that happened.
0: Uh you know what? If if that happened, guys, because I'm 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 breaking off a family trip to the to the beach for 24 hours to go to that game in MetLife Stadium, if it's there. And if that happens, I'll be like, Decision justified, totally worth it. Yep. <laughs> All the inconvenience of getting up here, totally worth it if that happens.
1: I don't know if there's anyone who's more <laughs> here for sports pettiness than me. No. <laughs> <laughs> so if they, do, if they do that, I will appraise them to the end of time.
0: I would actually say go as far as to say that if they do that, it might be the best moment of the, uh, of the post-Gary Kubiak era of the last four years. If they twist the knife like yes. that and yes. call an onside kick, of course the thing is they have to recover it.
1: Yes, of course.
0: Although I will admire the gumption for calling. Actually, it. You have to recover it.
1: <laughs> they should just do the onside kick and not even leave the line. <laughs> just say we're just doing this just just out of spite.
0: Or or do do it exactly like the Cowboys did, where you have like six guys just hovering, 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 and then the Falcons were just afraid. They were afraid to, literally afraid to touch it. I mean, that, you, couldn't, you couldn't have caught a team with its pants down any better than the Cowboys did. I'd love to see that happen.
1: That drove me nuts. I'm just like, you're really going to just watch. You're just going to watch the ball, just roll closer and closer. Like Once it got to eight yards is when you should have been like, okay, now i got to jump on it.
0: It was, like it, in, it was like in baseball, right? When you're just, you're waiting for that ball t- down the third baseline to go foul, go foul. And then by the time you realize it's not going to roll over, roll over the line, it's too late.
2: Well, at that point, the when, guy's it, on first. when it's at the eight, you don't even have to like jump on it. It's not even risky in terms of like where you're running so fast and then you slide on it and it may pop out. It's literally, you, you just, you fall on an object that's going so slow yeah. Man, that was that's brutal to watch. And, if you put yourself in the Falcons' position,
0: and the irony of that in that game was that remember last year when everyone was failing on onside kickoffs, the Falcons were succeeding because they had the cheat code in way coup on onside yep. kickoffs. So if anybody should have known how to handle this situation, you'd think it'd be the Falcons. Yep.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: atlanta, hey it's it's an atlanta team i mean i know this with the braves atlanta teams are going to do they are going to fall in the most excruciating way which is why i'm expecting to have my heart ripped out about this time next week in the playoffs even though the braves won yet another division title
1: now you've got 28 to 3 and 20 to 0 <laughs> <laughs>
2: yep you do man and uh you got the offensive coordinator coming out after the game, taking, taking the bullet, falling on the sword for not putting up more than 40 points. Oh my gosh. <laughs>
0: what are you supposed to do?
1: Oh man. Uh, what I would give to see the Broncos score 40 points. <laughs> Seriously. You may be waiting a couple of weeks. Yeah, at least. Uh, all right. Well, that is going to wrap it up for us today on the DNVR Broncos. Of course, Never forget to go over to Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood, the best damn family-owned dentist group in the metro area, and extreme Colorado sports fans. Schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Tag us. Tag them when you go there. Get that free Sonicare toothbrush. And then maybe, you know, tag them again when you got those pearly whites shining in like a nice little well-lit selfie. Uh, But whatever you do, when you need some dentist work done, go over to Green. Out and dental All right guys thanks for tuning in as always and we will catch up with you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast.